0: Welcome to Squanderlust, the podcast about the emotional side of money, why our actions aren't always as good as our intentions, and what we can do about it. I'm your host, Martha Lawton. Today's episode is all about families, especially complex families. That's to say, those that have split apart and formed anew, potentially with additional members. We're talking stepkids and half-siblings and exes and ex-in-laws and all the financial and emotional complexity they can bring. As I'm on my first and hopefully only marriage and have no children as of the time of recording, I've got an expert guest with me in the form of the wonderful Catherine Thomas Humphreys, aka The Finfluencer. Catherine is a qualified financial advisor, coach, speaker and podcaster, and specialist in supporting families to have better financial relationships. Before we begin... I want to thank all of our lovely listeners who have stuck with us from the beginning and those who are just joining us. It is wonderful to have you with us. And I especially want to shout out those of you who have reviewed the show in Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser or your favourite app, wherever that might be. Recent listener Hello Wonderful Podcast, great name, gave us five stars and noted that I am gentle in allowing guests to tell their story. And I love that. Thank you. I really do try. I read all our reviews, so please keep them coming. They help potential listeners decide to give us a go, so they're really important. Yours could be the one that tips the balance for someone. Okay, Catherine, welcome to the show. Tell our listeners a bit about yourself.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's absolute joy, and I love the introduction. Um, So my name, as you've said, is Catherine. Um, I founded a business called The Finfluencer. Not because I think I am, but because I genuinely believe every single one of us has everything we need to influence our relationship with money. Um, And as per the podcast theme, that it is based on both the emotional side, but also the practical side. Um, At the time of recording, (laughs) um, I am on my second marriage, um, and I have three children. And what I've learned along that journey is that personal finance, so me today versus future me, It's quite a straightforward, linear um, process, for want of a better term. But as soon as you start bringing people in and then having relationship breakdowns and the new relationships and those half brothers, siblings, um, it not only changes the, the practical elements of money but it also can bring new emotional um, effects of money in there. So I love working with families. I love, I don't know if it's the problem solver in me, but I love the slightly more complex scenarios. And I think, again, from personal experience, but also the clients I see, that sometimes we can feel a little bit judged. Mm. Our situations may not be quite as um, 2.1 children, quite as kind of, what's that word? straightforward Mm -hmm. um, conventional that's the word I was looking for as others and this then adds another layer into that complexity. Um, So I trained as a financial advisor which I really liked um, but the bit that was missing for me was what you'll know that coaching brings is that transformation where someone is given the tools they need to own their finances, to really influence and shape them and to empower them to step forward. So um, that's what I now do. I just do the financial coaching, but I use all that advisor experience along with my personal family experience over the the past 30 years to to help families in those more complex situations.
0: Yeah, I I was looking at your website and you've been on your own journey with your own money, haven't you? I have.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have. And it took me a while to be really comfortable sharing that. Mm. Um, so I I did start young. Mm. I thought, what's the hardest financial and emotional path I can choose? <laughs> I know what. I'll be a single mom from day one, um, which I loved. I absolutely love being a mom. I mm. love my daughter. Um, but what that younger version of me kind of stormed into thinking, hey, I can do this. After a few years, um, and I describe it a little bit like the difference between acute pain and chronic Mm -hmm. pain, you can manage discomfort for a little while, but as it kind of builds on and on and on, it's very draining, Mm -hmm. Um, it's quite anxious, you're feeling very responsible all of the time for not only yourself but a little person. Um, And the reality is, from my experience and the people I work with, that when we're in a position of stress, mm. financial stress or strain, we don't necessarily make great choices elsewhere. It's much easier to make a good life choice when you've got a fin- financial foundation. Mm. But when something's affected that, it does change our decision making processes, mm. our own sense of value and who we choose. Um, so, yes, I did go from that to a relationship that was not good for me, mm. probably not good for him either. And that one ended in divorce. So (laughs) third time lucky. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't change him for the world. He does make me laugh. Um, (laughs) But he's uh, impossible to to coach in the money wise. So I do test nearly everything I do on him just to see how unsuccessful (laughs) it
0: is. (laughs) You know what? I mean, if I had married, you know, previous long term partner, I would, you know, this would be second marriage. So. (laughs) <laughs> um, and I'm very glad I didn't so so you know no judgment also from from this side as well you know everybody has their own journey and everybody um does different things and as as you said when you are experiencing stress particularly around money um but any source of kind of long-term stress it does impact on your on your thinking and your decision making and, and it does make things really difficult um in terms of life choices I think that might be something we we will we'll circle back to again later on perhaps um mm-hmm. so I mean I think that like makes it very clear why you decided then to specialize in families and, and especially these um sometimes called blended families is it was it just the desire to apply your own experience
1: Um, I think it was going through um, some uncomfortable financial moments. So whilst it was always difficult, there was a really good element to to me in terms of surviving. Um, So I've never been a big spender, so budgeting was quite easy. Um, And I discovered a talent for magicking money because you have to. And I think it is that necessity is the, the mother of all invention. Um, And I didn't really realize, actually, they were great skills that I had because I was just seeing that I'm in a difficult financial position. Therefore, a.k.a. I'm not very good at this. Um, So it was recognizing that that was um, something I was naturally good at. Um, Second to that, I think when you a couple of experiences, So I remember when I wrote my first will, this is a story I've shared before, Um, So I was still quite young and we know, I know from doing this day to day that six out of 10 of us don't have a will. So the fact that I was around about 19 sat in a solicitor's office, I thought was quite responsible of me. Yeah, but but you wouldn't have known it from the experience. It was very (sighs) cold. It was very critical because I wasn't there to leave a lot of money because that that wasn't the situation. I was there to make provision in a guardian Mm. for my daughter. So I was doing the right thing. But I found the whole experience quite humiliating, um, very, very uncomfortable. And I kind of walked out there thinking nobody should have to feel like that. Um, And it was the same again a number of years later when I was going through a divorce and sat in front of a financial advisor. Um, Divorce itself for anyone, anyone at all, however well we do it, however... um, kind and caring that we are about each other as we separate divorce is a traumatic process financially and emotionally so to sit in front of an advisor and go through this again feeling very judged um, and that was actually the the decision for me when Mm. I left that that I could have done a far better job Mm. and sorry to say that it was probably the right outcome probably true and that nobody should have to to be made to feel like that Mm. and that really finance is about people It's not about the pound signs. It's not about the money. It's about that person and their scenario and their situation. So I think those are two key lessons that if if I've had this, then other people are having this. And why should we be made to feel like that? So that's kind of what drove the financial advice decision. And I think I just get families more (laughs) Mm. because it's not easy to talk. It's not easy for people when they... If you imagine speaking to a financial advisor and you go through a quite harsh, hard fact finding, mm. what's your income, what's your spouse, what's your children? And if you do that without the softness and without the compassion, the actual experience can be quite uncomfortable. Um, and I don't think people deserve that. I think as just humanness should should be there. So I think it was because I could feel it and empathize. It just drew me really toward working with that that particular type of client.
0: I'm sure there are a lot of families who are really grateful to be able to speak to you and feel that empathy from you and that understanding. Um, And yeah, I I completely agree with you. Nobody should be made to feel humiliated or or judged for doing the responsible thing and going to see a professional for advice, whether that's legal advice or or whether it's financial advice. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous, incredibly counterproductive. So yeah, no, that's... um, Oh, those stories frustrate me, <laughs> I have <to> say. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And it, it doesn't take much,
1: does it? I mean, it's just a few extra moments of just kind of care and compassion, a bit of extra space um, around it can make all the difference for someone to make their journey far more pleasant, far more positive and something they can build something new from.
0: So I want to dive into some of the things that you see. So what are some of the most... Common financial issues that you see in blended or complex families,
1: yeah, <clears throat> so they tend to be two twofold um, so on one side you 'll get the additional emotional um, side, uh, especially in and around trust, um, and how those feelings would impact our willingness perhaps to enter a new partnership, financial partnership. Um, And then on the other side, you've got quite um, pragmatic, uh, practical sides. Um, So I think one of the most common things I see is, for example, if we are to pass away, Mm. what happens then to, to the money? Right. Now, when we are... Um, single versus when we're married this isn't necessarily how we go into a blended family Mm -hmm. so after a divorce some people just decide they don't want to get married again Mm -hmm. Um, so they'll go into a blending family and they maybe have their children perhaps the other person has theirs Mm -hmm. without realizing that actually that marriage that structure that legal entity actually protects them to some degree Um, whereas without that they they are less protected and I'll go a little bit more into what I mean by that in just a moment Um, and then I think um, we also forget or don't consider or it's just never a kind of conversation is what happens um, when we don't make a a decision Mm. whether that's about our pension or our will or where our money goes that the rules that then automatically apply do not support the new types of families that we see now. Yeah. So the typical example here is if you die without a will, you fall into intestacy and the rules of intestacy are based purely on marriage and next of kin. Yeah. So as soon as you're going through a system of who is physically related to you, you can see there that any... Um, stepchildren are going to get missed out. If you're not married, then you can potentially not, you can effectively disinherit the person you would consider to be married to. Yeah. Um, so these structures, the, the way that we do family and via marriage in this country, but also the way that we leave our things when we die in this country, are based on very old principles um, that do not match up. So I would say it's just kind of tuning into does my family structure protect everybody I love in it? Yeah. Um, And as soon as you start to see that this is about people um, and what these rules that are wrapped around them is, then you kind of, it's really just picking up the flag. So these are triggers. So if you're not married, that's a trigger. Mm -hmm. If you've got children from different relationships, then that's a trigger. And it just means that you need to sit back and think. In these extreme scenarios, I think death is a good example because... We're no longer there to make the decisions. So without us as that decision maker, then what is happening? So it's a kind of crystallizing, if you like, Mm -hmm. a way of shining the light on does your family structure and your financial structure work um, to support those you love? Um, And then I think on the emotional side, it's the conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, So I mentioned earlier that divorce is challenging. Even good divorces are challenging um, for men and women. You go through. You might lose a house. Um, one of you might feel like they've lost a portion of their pension in in that settlement. Whether that was fair or not doesn't change the fact that that person would have felt that loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, how do those feelings of loss and trust and the, all the experience before, and um, plus the financial anxiety, how does that inform our willingness to to have a financial relationship with someone? And more importantly, how to have a really healthy conversation? Yeah. So we tend to get silence um, and more separation in terms of of money. Um, so I try really to foster that space where you can bring a good conversation to the table without the argument but without compromising on your values where you can make space to create shared values for that shared new family and then make sure you've got the financial structures underneath it to support
0: everyone. Yeah so um, a couple of things in that obviously we're talking about the legal structure of marriage in um, the UK particularly I mean uh, particularly, I imagine, England and Wales. Scotland's system is slightly different from England and Wales, but um, the broad brushstrokes of it are are the same, that there are different protections for people who are legally married from those who are just living together. Um, I think there's a lot of misunderstanding around this because there's this phrase, common law marriage, which has no legal standing whatsoever, and people sort of assume that it means something legally, and it, it just doesn't. Um, and they, so they assume that just living together for long enough somehow entitles people to something that it, it doesn't. Um, and that is, yeah, it's something that you really don't want to discover at that worst possible time of bereavement. So, yeah, I completely agree with you that it's really important people understand the legal difference between being married and not being married <laughs> and, yeah. and how that yeah. actually works. Um is it so so vital? Are there any other things Thank that come you. up beyond that that trust issue of um, the the parents um, or, or new partners, you know, and how they're able to interact? Is there? I, I was was imagining something around fairness between children if there are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly where I was <laughs> nodding. Go on. Um, And it's emotive. It's highly, highly emotive. So um, I know how I feel about my children. So and the the way I've blended, actually, my husband didn't have his own children. So we have one and I have two from uh, previous. Um, But what I see is, um, especially where you've come in and perhaps those children are adult children, that one of you wants to treat your children fairly. The other one wants to treat their children fairly or you might have a child that is yours mm-hmm. um, that perhaps feels like you should treat even more fairly um, and it causes conflict um, mm-hmm. and I tend to see this well, I see it in all areas um, but it really shows when it comes to writing a will mm-hmm. um, and what I tend so I always write the will with t- the the people individually mm-hmm. um because it's almost impossible for one of them to be saying actually i don't like his kids <laughs> and <laughs> i don't want to leave anything to them you can't say that in front of it Ooh. um so yeah very no. <laughs> very
0: difficult
1: <laughs> so um and then there's the, the additional layer so if he has or she has one of them has um children from the previous relationship and that pair the other parent from those children is still also alive that Particular set of children are going to benefit from those two. Whereas when you've come together and you've got one together, you are both responsible for that one. So it's how you have that conversation that just because you've each got children doesn't mean they all have to be treated in the same proportions. Mm. And that's today as well. So it's who's being spent on whether that's education, college funds. Perhaps your scenario is different today than what it was with the older children, which is certainly, so how do you make, it's about treating them equivocally rather than actually pound for pound equally. Mm. Um, and I think if we can bring that fairness in, that it doesn't have to be the same. So just because there's three children doesn't necessarily mean 33.3% of time, money today and money in the future. Um, and I think if you can have the conversations with the new family, Um, the the adults in that family as to what's important to you um, and what's important to them. So (laughs) my mom always used to tell us as kids that compromise was where nobody got their way. Mm -hmm. Um, And in some senses, that is true that um, it's not about finding that happy ground where everyone's happy. It's about what you're not willing to give up and not willing to compromise and what you're less concerned about, what's less valuable to you. So by becoming kind of consciously aware of what your individual values are, so start with you and then start with your partner and then bringing them together and you actually create a new shared set in the middle. Um, And it's what you are willing to, to share and to compromise on what you're willing not to. Um so the the children are very emotive because they're our children. Um and when they're when it's nice and straightforward and then you haven't got an issue.
0: Yeah, no I can imagine and I can imagine that all gets amplified if there are differences in income or wealth across different parts of the family. So um if if either an ex-partner or or a new partner um has a very different income situation or or brings mm-hmm. assets that that weren't around previously um that I can imagine only exacerbates all of that
1: yeah and i mean there are ways of there's no right way um, i think for every new couple uh, whatever each one of their history it's for them to decide what's going to work for them um i personally favor what i call interdependence where you have an area that's shared and where you have an area of still being yourself your your own money your own finances your own choices but also this kind of new shared one um, some people prefer to put everything in um, where mm. it's all pooled um, some people prefer to have this kind of 50 50 split um, there isn't a right way it's about when you come together what's going to work for you um, it's very unusual to have, I think, in any relationship where both parties arrive equally mm. <laughs> on the same terms, same income, same experience. Um, so, for example, if you're buying a house together and one of you has uh, the larger assets and the larger savings, there's no rule that says you have to buy that jointly. You could go into it with, for example, as tenants in common, where one of you owns 70 percent and one of you earns 30 percent. Now, that works in life. And that works when when you pass away because you're going to leave your proportions to to whomever you want to. But that is not recognised in divorce. Mm. So you might have come into this relationship with your ideas of who's got how much and, and what those proportions are. But if you're married for a medium term or longer... And you're now getting divorced as far as the rules and the starting point is, is there's an equalness. You've entered that marriage. And again, going back to that legal Mm. uh, structure that's created. um, And as long as it's not short, I'm not quite sure where short becomes medium, (laughs) um, then it's a 50-50 split as your starting point. Um, So, yeah, there's it's I mean, you would obviously want to start a family Mm -hmm. and have this new family, not planning to divorce but again life doesn't work like that yeah yeah, yeah. um so yeah Yeah. um sometimes I think this is where the trust issue comes back again Mm -hmm. that if you have had a poor experience of either loss of earnings or loss of assets from a previous uh, relationship and now you're entering into one that you don't feel is equal that can be quite hard to have that conversation um but I think it is very very individual circumstances and i think sometimes it does help having someone external to help you have those conversations because they've got nothing to gain or to take
0: from you so there's
1: more Mm. trust in and around that
0: thank you yes that's really useful We're going to take a little break there and when we come back, we're going to talk a bit more about the effects of financial conflict within families, um, some of the ways that this can have an impact beyond just money, and also what we can do about it and what people can do to prevent issues around money arising within their families.
2: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/slash awards. Only at a sleep
0: number store or sleepnumber.com. We're back, and we're talking about finances in complex families. So, what happens when a couple have broken up and there are children? Now they're together with somebody else? How do we manage the financial implications of all of that? So all the time that you were talking in that first half, I was thinking about the kind of added layer of in-laws and ex-in-laws on top of all of this stuff. So I'd love to um, hear a bit about about them as well, please, Catherine. Yeah, um, differing for, for everyone.
1: I mean, I think if we take out the blended family altogether and just look at, again, us, us as individuals... Um, we know that our many beliefs have come from potentially our parents and potentially their parents um, often set as children and those habits set off and we believe those potentially without really interrupting those thoughts until something shines a light on and there's nothing like um, a divorce or a family breakdown to kind of shine a light on what our beliefs are. Mm. Um, then when you have, I think it's it's harder when you have the new family and the children are still young, but there is still a, a reliance on income from the previous partner. Mm. So child maintenance would be the example here. Um, the the in laws, they they don't tend to come up as much as you think. I oh. think they have an effect, um, and I see very very different outcomes. So I might see um, someone who perhaps the, let's say the the dad isn't particularly involved yet. His parents want to actively engage and be with their grandchildren yeah um or perhaps one of them will um others you just see an immediate break that um they, they're gone they're dead to me now so wow. the in-laws are gone um, and the grandchildren um are, are without um so financially the in-laws I think have slightly less effect on the day-to-day something that does come up a lot is where where the new couple have a child together mm-hmm. And then one or other or both have children from the previous, um, when it comes to things like Christmas yeah. and family gatherings, that perhaps the grandparents of the shared child, mm-hmm. which would be the new in-laws, if, if married, mm-hmm. don't recognize or want to recognize the children from the previous relationships. That is quite... yeah don't want to say common that is something I do see and that's very hurtful not only to the children from the former relationship but to that the parent of those children and that can cause conflict to them in the actual relationship because it's your parents that are doing that Um, now again it depends on how good a relationship you've got with your new partner because that's where the conversation needs to have and to happen rather than skip over and go to their in-laws. But I think what it just shows is that we have responses and reactions and we've got a choice. Am I responding or am I reacting? Um, Which is never as easy as I just (laughs) made that sound because we're human and we're emotional (laughs) and there's all these other things
0: going on. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And it brings up all these feelings about yeah what is the meaning of family and what does it mean to belong to a family and who do we consider to be family what does it mean to uh support each other feelings about loyalty feelings about belonging there's the whole kind of the feelings about generosity and 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 yeah so 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 many different aspects of um yeah of of our feelings about people and relationships just all kind of come up together all in that one space. Um, I, I can see that being so, so challenging. Actually, you've just reminded me, we did a, an episode in the last season with um, Jane Major about gift giving, which uh, some people might be interested in as a um, comparison with this where we we talked about um, some of the challenging feelings people have around gift giving, and so if you uh, listen to that one and then apply all those weird feelings people can have about gift giving, and then on top of that the blended family stuff as well, wow, it could be uh, quite explosive. I can imagine. Yeah, um, I
1: think as well. Your what we see with the blended families is quite big age gaps. Mm. Um, so because you tended to have one and then maybe 10, 15 years later that there might be another. Um, so it's almost like, how do we treat the adult who is a child and how do we treat the child who is still a child? Um, so yeah, gift giving. And I think it comes back to your point earlier, which is around about this idea of fairness. Um, because my idea of fairness to my children may not be their idea of fairness, to each other. Um, So I think if you're comfortable yourself that you've explored what is right for you and what feels fair to you, then actually that sort of ripples through. Um, Not quite unconsciously, but because you believe it and you know it and it's in line and authentic to you, then those around tend to pick up on that. Um, I think when you don't quite feel it's fair, then somehow or another that message seems to to Mm. quietly to get through to to everyone
0: yeah yeah i can I can definitely see that. um so we're talking a lot here about some of these issues of like financial conflict. you said at the beginning, um that you know when people are struggling financially or when there is this sort of financial conflict, it often has a knock-on effect onto other aspects. Can you talk about some of those knock-on effects into other aspects of people's relationships? Yeah.
1: um, So I try to avoid the the term scarcity and abundance. Mm -hmm. But I think in this example, it's quite useful. Um, So when you're under financial stress, for example, um, it's like a kind of gnawing anxiety in the background. It's very, very difficult to to step aside from that. I think even, for example, changing a job or setting up a business, um, that backdrop of the financial um, stress mm-hmm. is affecting what decision you're going to make next. Yeah. Yeah. And it's very similar with a decision, for example, to leave a relationship. If you're highly financially reliant on that relationship, so you have children together, perhaps they're the the higher earner, then making a decision to leave, yeah. um, for example, an exit strategy can be difficult. Because you're trying to make a decision within this framework of scarcity. Mm. Um, when you are away from that, so if you are able to just imagine erasing all of <laughs> these financial concerns and the knock-ons, the decision you might make would be could be very, very different. Yeah. So that example of if you're in a relationship that isn't working for you for whatever reason... Yeah but financially you don't feel able to leave that, then your decision-making is being affected by that financial situation. So I think a way to look at it would be to almost imagine the scenario of what if, and take all those finances away, what decision would I make under a different mindset, under a different situation? Um, So that's one. Mm. Um, Second to that. Is and I alluded it to it earlier with um, the marriage that I chose that wasn't working for me, because the finances don't look great and you don't you don't think you're valuable. Mm. That's actually directly correlating to what you think about yourself. So um, if I don't think I am valuable, then the decision I make in terms of maybe the person I spend time with, or um, the type of job I'm going to go for is being directly reflected based on this inner belief of, Am I valuable? Um, so, when we are making a new decision for ourselves, and the starting point is, I'm not very worthy or mm. I'm not deserving, we will make a different decision than the person who thinks, I am valuable. And that decision isn't just financial. That decision will be about the people we spend time with and the opportunities that we start to to choose and make for ourselves. Um, so one, and I think it's more of a game, but one way of exploring this that I do with people I work with is to give them a set of scenarios based on today. Mm-hmm. So based on what you know about your financial situation today and your feelings, everything as it is. Mm-hmm what's your response to X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. So that scenario might be how to increase your prices or um, imagining that you had a gift given to you or imagining you had to give give the gift. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to just become aware of what your belief is and what your financial circumstances is, are. And then play the same thing again, but for the, that part of the game is to suspend um, any reality and use the imagination. Well, what would I do if that financial situation was different so Mm. let's say if I didn't have those concerns if I didn't have that limiting belief or that scarcity so um, kind of like a millionaire mindset if you like and if you're seeing very different responses that's kind of indicating that perhaps the decision you're making is based in and around your finances yeah Um, it takes a lot of courage to leave a relationship when you don't feel financially secure Yes, of course Um, and I think that is something that we need to acknowledge when someone is working with us that that courage and that bravery they have gone through that knowing that it was going to be difficult Um, so I always admire people for that Um, likewise I think if you want to change and um, set up a business uh, it's very hard to make that decision if you're from a position of needing and being highly reliant on a, a low income So when we can just scale that financial situation back and look at us and explore us and our beliefs and our values, what would we do differently? Um, So it's not to wave a magic wand and say, I'm going to make (laughs) your whole life better overnight, but it does give us kind of space to think, Okay, am I making my decision based on today? Um, Am I reacting or am I responding? Um, So they're highly, highly correlated how we value ourselves and how our financial situation is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Do you find when couples have been working with you and they've been working on all these issues or, or when individuals have been working with you on this and, and it's um, having an impact on how they're dealing with their finances and their families, um, you what do you see in terms of how the family dynamics change or the family relationships change? Yeah, this one really
1: surprised me. Um, and I've currently got 100% accidental success rate. Um, so whilst I work with blended families, I tend to work with the one party, the one parent, the one person, mm-hmm. um, because they're ready. They've come to me because they want to change. And I think you'll know as well that you've got to be um, on your side. You've Absolutely. got to be wanting to, to do this. Yeah. Um, and I think because... There are so many correlations. I think you used the gift-giving scenario earlier. Mm. Um, that relates highly to how we want to be receiving. So not just can I receive money? Mm-hmm. Can I receive love? Um, also, can I can I give? Um, do I want to give? Who am I supporting? So what I'm tending to see is people will come to me thinking that they are wanting to inverted commas, fix their finances, and that might be to stop a an out-of-control spending habit. That out-of-control spending habit is being triggered by their emotional response to something, whatever yeah. their something is. And as soon as they start to address the emotional triggers that are behind it which might be that maybe they don't feel valuable or they're trying to prove to themselves that they deserve. Um, or the opposite scenario, which I see just as often, which is they are so restrictive in their budget, there's no space for them mm. because they don't allow themselves to receive because they've carried this belief that they don't deserve. So when you start to see that in the money relationship and they recognize it, and as in they feel it, they hear mm. it, they know it um, and have that aha moment that automatically ripples out into their job opportunities, their, their choices, their ability to go and ask for a pay rise. And the feedback from my clients is that suddenly their relationship with their partner is also improving yeah. because they know themselves, they know what's valuable to them, so they have a really good conversation now that's not kind of infused with emotions. Mm. They're willing to accept money from their partner they're willing to be supported and they're also willing to support their partner. So I've seen, um, as I say, 100% that they're getting married, they're moving in together, Aww. they're buying a house together and there's all these lovely, lovely positives that Aww. are coming as a result of what we thought was dealing with their money. Yeah,
0: yeah. This, I mean, it's lovely to hear that. I, I'm not completely surprised, but it's always so great to get that confirmation that, that you know resolving whatever that issue is that is having a kind of negative um, cyclical, you know, reinforcing relationship between some kind of emotional issue and money. And when you can resolve whatever that that negative cycle is, it, it just frees people up to become more intimate and more comfortable. Um, and, and just have a better relationship with others because they're resolving something in themselves. And that's just, oh, it's just lovely. I love hearing that. It's great.
1: Yeah. It was a surprise, I'll be honest. Ah. Uh, I thought, hey, I'm here, the the money woman. Mm-hmm. And then the testimonials would come back saying, oh, we've moved in together. And, oh, you've saved my relationship. And I'm so... Um, But when I thought about that, I thought that's exactly how it was for me when I went through my own kind of healing, for want of a term. Mm. Um, I couldn't have been open to that love and that reliance until I was ready to. But I think the money is just... That's where it shows up. Yeah. That's some way you can kind of get a, a visual of what that habit is or what that behavior is. Yeah. And obviously we need money on a day to day basis. So exactly. it is something yeah, that yeah, needs addressing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely. And so that that's a very rewarding part. Um, and if you are seeing it in your money and now that you've heard that, then it's just a, well, how else is this? Feeling showing up. How else is this not spending mm. or not receiving showing up in my relationship, either with my partner, my parents, my children, um, but mainly your partner. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. So we've talked a bit about um, you know with the difficulties and the conflicts and and all of that stuff, and we talked about how you know coaching can make this such a fantastic difference. I'm wondering what people can do for themselves to prevent some of these conflicts and issues arising um so first of all you know at that point of breaking up are there do you have any tips for people to try and as i said sort of prevent some of these issues arising yeah um
1: i think the first thing is is to honor that it is a motive um and that we're going to be reacting to to a situation um so i would probably say that if you're trying to have a relationship with a former or you're trying to separate and you're trying to to do that well mm-hmm. uh, mainly because maybe you've got children and you you want to do this well for them yeah then I would say make space because you're not going to turn that emotion off. It's not going to be um, all of a sudden I'm going to approach this very pragmatically and all very grown up and do it all very well. The reality is it's emotive, and there's going to be pain, there's going to be discomfort. Um, so I think yeah. it's to acknowledge that first and then say, okay, in the face of that, I need to make space around myself. Um, so I never react Um, if someone if I didn't like the text message saying "Oh, you haven't done this or we need to do that is just step back from it let your immediate response happen that's your emotional response and that needs that's as valuable as anything else but don't necessarily knee-jerk response with what you actually want to tell them Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, is to make that space so you have moved from acknowledging but instead of reacting, acknowledge, honour, and then respond. Yeah. Um, I think get support. Yeah. Find other people who've been through it. It hurts. Um, and find that um, support both in kind of informal circles, but also in your formal circles. Um, and that would be having a team of advocates for you. Um, not like the will writer <laughs> and the financial advisor I had. Yeah. There are so many more great people out there and i found them um, it's true. have your f- financial advisor work with your solicitor um and have a team that are going to to be there advocating and supporting for you and um step back and think what's what's important i said earlier that compromise mm-hmm. is where no one gets what they want you're not going to get something that you want from this But if your most valuable thing is to make sure, for example, your children feel safe um, or your children are going to have a really good relationship with your ex, even though you don't feel you can, which is also absolutely fine. um, What's valuable to you? What do you need to leave this conflict without um, giving too much up on? Um, Yeah. Yeah. there's quite a few sort of other things like there are apps where you can communicate. There's kind of shared co-parenting going forward, but I think I would probably say yeah, the first thing start. is it's going to hurt.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: react. Don't react. Yeah, in the space and then respond.
0: I, I, you know, while you were talking, I just remembered the fact that one of the most important lessons I learned in my twenties was not to try and be a grown-up about breakups. <laughs> when I when I was young, because I'd always been told oh, you're very mature for your age. Um, I I thought when I when I went into my sort of first relationship, um, when I was at my late teens and then, um, sort of a little bit in my early twenties, I thought I had to try and that I had to try and be a grown up and that being a grown up meant trying to still be friends with my exes. Mm-hmm. And it would inevitably result in like just a couple of months of like tense attempt at friendship and then just some kind of horrible explosion and big drama and everything would be really messy and awful um, fairly soon after that and and so just learning not to try and you know pretend to be a grown-up about this feel what you really feel and then (laughs) but separately away from them not at them um, and then come back and deal with it you know when you're ready but but to give yourself enough distance that that you're not having to be so raw you know you're, mm-hmm. you're not um putting your most painful vulnerable self in that position of of having to interact with that person you're you're doing it on your terms I think is is so so important um and of yeah. course in these m- much more serious scenarios where there are children involved and significant sums of money then obviously you know all of that is is way more important yeah.
1: And I think as well that if you're feeling it, um, the reality is they're going to be feeling something. It's Mm. a different program. Yeah. It's a different set of feelings, but you are both feeling and experiencing something. Yeah. Um, So it's how can we do that? With as little damage. Yeah. And, you know, so what if we have a meltdown? Yeah. Because I've, I've done it wrong <laughs> and I'm still here. That's so, true. Um, yeah, you yeah. know, we, we can't sort of tiptoe through perfectly. There'll be times we say and respond and react and do the thing that we probably ought not to have done. Yeah. But that's human. Um, so don't be so harsh on ourselves as well. Oh, I think absolutely. It might, be, yeah. it might be something to do.
0: Yeah. I, I wanted to ask as well some tips for the next sort of step, which is getting together with a new partner um, or when an ex gets together with a new partner, do you have some tips um, around that as well, please? Yeah. Um, so
1: <laughs> all sorts of things have gone through in my mind and I think it's because <laughs> there's so many levels, isn't it? Of course. Um, yeah. yeah. So I think from a financial perspective, Yes, <clears throat> um of getting together with a new partner um, the sooner you can bring money to the table so to speak mm. the better um, now I'm not necessarily saying that you turn up on your first date and you know, insist on seeing everything <laughs> but it is an opportunity to sort of think mm, there, there's an opportunity for a conversation here are you splitting the bill um for example or have you gone on a free walk or if you've gone around to their house is there a pile of envelopes <laughs> um, so I think is you are now going to go into a a new relationship. It may or may not work, but the sooner you are aware of your money habits and their money habits, and might this work financially as well as kind of soulmatey and emotionally. Mm. Um, so I think the sooner you can have that conversation, the better, and especially if they have children and you have children. Um, to go right back to the beginning where we talked about this sense of are they going to be treated fairly are you picking are you picking up on the fact that perhaps he's not so interested in your children mm. um now I for I guess only experiences um where <laughs> yeah you bring a, a child in and they're sort of super interested in trying to be interested in your child as well as you um but they they quickly lose interest mm. um so I think just be aware that you're going to go into a relationship. What money behaviours and money habits, bearing in mind now that you've got your money beliefs and your unconscious programme running, your ex have theirs and this new partner will have theirs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And do you, do you think that there's an opportunity for open conversation and a shared goal? Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you're picking up signs early on that it isn't, um Personally, I'd walk away yeah. um, because you 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 want a good relationship. You want an open relationship, and it'll be done your way, and it'll be done in what is equal and fair for you. That that would be for you to decide. But if you kind of get the feeling that there's not going to be that openness or opportunity to talk, um, is it wrong to say walk away? No, I mean maybe. I, it I'm, is. I'm with
0: you. I'm with you. No, honestly, it's such a huge part of of relating to somebody um is is how do you handle your finances together Mm. um it is inevitable that conflict will arise there and I think if we then even go back to what we were just saying about how you feel about money and giving and receiving is a lot about how you value yourself Mm. um then if you can't have that open conversation about money how can you have a con- an open conversation about other areas of your life where you need to give and receive with each other? Mm. So I yeah, do, I always. do think you're right. I think it's actually really important and and a big enough red flag to potentially consider walking away if you don't think you can have that conversation because it has to happen at some point. So if you can't yeah. do it, you're you're just storing up trouble for the future. I think, and it is it's vital. Um, yeah. What about when an ex gets a new partner and, and possibly their sort of family situation changes and then you, that could impact your relationship on, um, on the children that you had together or the child you had together? Is there anything that you have to say about that? Yeah, so
1: again, this I think is down to having as good Um, a relationship as you can with your ex under whatever the circumstances are so i'm not saying you need to be best friends at all but is there a kind of channel of civility Mm -hmm. where the children are at the center of what each of your decisions are Um, so again it's going to be all those different layers but if for example it's going to it, it shouldn't affect a maintenance payment for example because um that Ex-partner is still going to be earning the income they have and seeing that your child, mm-hmm. all being, as long as that doesn't change for the same amount. So really that part shouldn't change. What I do tend to see happening is that perhaps the new partner doesn't really want your child coming around at the weekends. Mm. So the, the challenges tend to be in and around how can we keep this child's relationship with their parents yeah. the the absent parent in this case um at the center of it so i think very much like going into the new one it's how do we have those really open conversations yeah. um and it's not, not easy and i think this again is about having space mm-hmm. um again maybe having that support network who can you who can you react to first <laughs> before you go and then say what it is that you want to say? Yeah. Yeah. Um, some people have said that they've had quite quite a lot of success with actually building a relationship with that new partner. Mm. It doesn't work for everyone, but sometimes, you know, if you're both acting um, on behalf of that child, mm. then that that can help because then it's not a them versus us. Yeah. Um, I think what I tend to see, though, is you will get a change. Um, You will get a change in the regularity of seeing your child. You will get a change in whether they want to continue paying the the amount that they've been paying. So it's just come back of what's important to me and to my child and what am I willing to compromise on and what am I not? So in my case, I was not willing to compromise on my child being seen less because to me the relationship with their ex, my ex, Mm -hmm. was more valuable um but then there were other times where well I need that maintenance payment so and it's your child and I'm not the only one who's going to be financially responsible for Mm -hmm. what we've done together um yeah so and it all sounds terribly grown up doesn't it when I say (laughs) it um and yeah I think it is you you will get it wrong yeah Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) but (laughs) uh, make that space and, and kind of grace and honor for yourself to to get it wrong um and and just come back to what is really, really valuable yeah. to you of all the things you can have, which ones are you refusing to, to compromise on because those ones are too valuable to you. And I guess it's that old saying, you know, pick, pick your battles. Which yeah. ones are you willing to, to get involved with and expend your energy and time um, on
0: fighting for? Fantastic. Thank you. On that note, Catherine, it, it's been fantastic, really insightful Uh, talking with you where can our listeners find you no worries
1: um so as i mentioned earlier my business is called the finfluencer which is just the blended word (laughs) not that blended is the the term there for financial influencer so you can find me at www.thefinfluencer.co.uk Um, And from there, you should be able to find any of the events I do. I run a monthly money date, uh, which is free. So you'll be very welcome to come along and we just go through some of the dating aspects in and around our money and ourselves, either the emotional or the skill side. Um, And I think from there, you should find all of my social media, um, mostly Instagram, if you want to To share um some of the the financial wisdom for want of a better word um and i'm always available either by dm on instagram or by email so please just reach out um, if i can be of any support whatsoever then i would i will reply
0: fantastic thank you very much and you're also a part of the women and money cafe aren't you I am. I am. So, and you'll be joining us as a guest as well. I'm excited.
1: Uh, (laughs) So myself and uh, my friend and co-coach and financial planner, Julie Flynn, Um, run the, as co-host, the Women and Money Cafe podcast. Um, We are joined every single week by a team of experts, um, either advisors, coaches or experts in their field and then we also bring in really interesting guests. Um, We release every Monday and you'd just be welcome to to download, to listen And, and pretty much as I run my business you can contact Julie and I um, for, through there, and we, we check every email <laughs> and every review. Fantastic. Um, so, definitely do do come and listen and, and share your thoughts and experiences. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Catherine. It has been a joy. Ah, thank you, and thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you, Martha.
0: If you enjoyed Swanderlust, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and rate us too. The more stars you give, the happier we get. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Squanderlust is sponsored by Wardour Studios in Fitzrovia, London, with production by David Smith, Charlie Brandon King and Alicia Cunningham. Our theme music is by Wardour Studios and graphic design by Jason Reed. Thanks for listening.